0: We're gonna be here till it's over till, till something happens. We're gonna be here till it changes through cold rain, rocks, gravity. It doesn't matter. We're gonna be here till some till something happens.
1: Welcome to Mike Check Radio, the voice of Kansas City activism. I'm Mike Nichols, and in the studio today we have our three co-hosts. Uh, Doug Greer. Hello. Kristen Chow. Hello. And uh, today, over in the corner with the camera, is uh, Carl Greer. Hello. Hey. And then uh, our, our main guest our, our guest, our special guest of the night, is Michael Limata, the co founder and president of Connecting for Good, a non for profit organization that is bridging the, the digital divide here in Kansas City.
2: Thank uh, you. I'm glad to be with you tonight. Oh,
1: thank you for coming in. So um, uh, usually we start off the show with a calendar of events, but I actually don't have any uh, upcoming events to talk about. So we're going to just uh, jump right into the main discussion uh, uh, with Michael here. And uh, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Connecting for Good? What's the, what's the mission? What's the goal of the uh, organization?
2: Well, Connecting for Good is really a very new organization. We celebrated our second anniversary on the 17th of November. We were officially incorporated in the state of Kansas uh, November 17th, 2011. And really, the group started uh, with a bunch of geeks just thinking about how do we you know, bridge the digital divide between nonprofit organizations and the corporate world. A lot of times, you you don't think about it, but the nonprofit world is as much as five or ten years behind the corporate world in terms of adoption of technology. So we actually created a series of seminars, and about that time we heard the announcement that Google Fiber was going to be coming to Kansas City, and our first thought was, you know, this is a great opportunity to um, do more, and that is to help. Uh, low-income folks and others who aren't connected, uh, to get on the Internet.
1: Okay. And uh, what are some of the bigger projects that you've done, like uh, creating connectivity in Kansas City?
2: Well, the thing, uh, you know, our first thought was, you know, we'd like to use Google Fiber. That was the first thought because, uh, you know, it's a revolutionary product and would create opportunities, especially as we knew they were going to provide free connections at community organizations but um, soon learned that the terms of use uh, for the product limited it to a single household. So our first project, of course, was Rosedale Ridge where we brought free Wi-Fi to 168 families. That was just about one year ago. Uh, Since then, we've also brought free internet to Posada del Sol, which is a senior housing complex on the west side and Juniper Gardens, which is the largest and oldest public housing facility in the state of Kansas. So today we provide free internet to 500 families, low-income families in Kansas City. Um, And because we couldn't use Google Fiber, we looked for another economical approach to connectivity and that's where, uh, actually Jace Wilson from Neighbor.ly introduced us to Isaac Wilder and the Free Network Foundation and so uh, Isaac pretty much introduced us to the whole world of community networking. A lot of uh, activity has been going on in places like Spain and Athens and Germany. And so a lot of that technology is now uh, what powers our networks.
1: All right. And um, so uh, from reading your your website and, and, and some of the research that I've done, I've, that's like one of the three prongs of your of your your activity, right? You have connectivity, but you have, like, two other goals that you work with uh, on top of that, right?
2: Right. Well, we understand that, you know, just being able to connect to the Internet isn't enough, and that is, first off, you need the hardware. So Connecting for Good is a Microsoft-registered refurbisher, Mm -hmm. which allows us to get a grant program to provide software. So uh, we collect used PCs, and uh, laptops are we have a actually fully staffed workshop at the basement of 3101 Troost where we collect hundreds of computers every week and uh, our goal is to provide a PC to a low-income individual for $50 and uh, but before we do that we also require them to take uh, two sessions of what we call our digital life skills class and the focus of that is you know the first session is what is a computer Uh, in the basics of, you know, computing, and the second is more into email, web browsing, web searching, and introducing people to all of the um, resources that are available online. So we're dealing with lots and lots of first-time users, and, you know, we right now are in what we're calling our Fall Digital Inclusion campaign and have almost daily sessions either at 31st and Truist or somewhere out in the community and have touched, you know, hundreds. I think we think by now about 300 first-time internet users since the beginning of October.
3: Can you t- talk a b- little bit about the demographics of the people that you, um, the, your target group, and why um, you know these groups have been sort of passed over by the digital wave that has uh, swept um, the entire country uh, in the past 10, 20 years? Well, I think what we're seeing mostly is
2: um, there are three kind of people groups that we're dealing with. The first is, you know, low-income families, and we're talking about a lot of single moms with their children. The second is seniors. You know, the adoption rate, especially among urban core dwellers over 50, is very, very low where where the Internet is concerned. And the second is among disabled people. So, I mean, all of them are folks for whom access is hard to afford, uh, and on top of the equipment, which is hard to buy. In Rosedale Ridge, where we did our first installation a year ago, the average family income was $10,000 a year. So it's no surprise they have no internet connection. I think when we first surveyed the property, we found that 80% of the people had no in-home internet. And so we're you know working to get the connectivity, but also to provide the hardware at a price point that's reasonable. But seniors and uh, the disabled are also people who really can benefit from the Internet, but yet have a hard time connecting as well.
3: Right. And have you had instances where people um, have used these skills that you've equipped them with and have actually gone out and and maybe gotten jobs or, um, you know, been able to just better navigate um, life in in terms of technology?
2: Definitely. We, for instance, there's a young lady whose name is Renee in her early 30s who had no Internet, no computer. She uh, spent an entire year looking for work. Um, she came to our classes, got herself a laptop, we helped her with her resume, and the first 30 days she got two interviews and enrolled in online college. Yeah, that's great. We I can't have people even who imagine. are just, um, you know, completing their GED for the first time in their 50s. I can't imagine
1: even doing a job hunt without computer. I mean, yeah. even my friends that are picking up, like, part-time jobs for the Christmas season— I mean, all of them yeah. have to do an online application. It's all on computer. Even if you go into the shop, they'll usually tell you what's there and then say, you know, you've got to go on the computer and, and, and do the applications on computer and just email it into to them or, you know, go through their system.
2: Well, I think, it, you know, one statistic that really troubles me, and this came, you know, from the school district, and that is 70% of the children in the Kansas City School District don't have Internet at Home you think of a place like, you know, Johnson County where it's like over 90% of the children have internet at home. Um, it's just alarming when you think of the difference in what you can do as far as, you know, schoolwork, research, job search. I mean, your world is so much smaller if you have no online access.
1: Yeah. I mean, would you say, I would think now the internet has gotten to the point in our society that it's it's pretty much a necessity don't you don't you feel like it's almost kind of a, I don't know how else to put it, like a social right that everybody should at least have access to the internet?
2: Yeah, well, we actually, you know, what power is connecting for good is our three core values. And the first is that we believe that internet connectivity equals opportunity. That suddenly, if you can place somebody with the technology and the understanding and the connection, the world opens up to unlimited possibilities. I mean, for instance, take a you know, recycled PC that we're getting if if a, If a recycler gets a hold of it and sends it off to be parted out, they get twelve dollars for it, the the raw materials. But if you take that same computer and put it in the hands of a kid in the projects, you might have the next Steve's jobs. Um, so that's the first thing, connectivity mm-hmm. equals opportunity to the third. Second thing is, We really believe that education is the number one thing that lifts people from poverty. Every social study tells us that's the number one thing that changes the paradigm for people. Yet in a digital age, a quality education is absolutely impossible without an internet connection. And our third value is that we believe that connectivity really is an essential modern utility, just like the phone, just like electricity, just like running water. Um, so in all of that together, m- you know, from our perspective, we really believe it's one of the most important social justice issues of our day.
1: Okay. And uh, so, like, right now you guys are in the middle or nearing your, near the end of your used computer drive. Uh, yes,
2: is that going well? Actually, we've been really disappointed by the results so far. We've maybe, you know, we've had six different Saturdays But we've collected less than 100 computers.
1: Oh, wow. I would think that it would go really well because, I mean, I didn't know about your used computer drive. This was a couple years ago. But I went and took a bunch of my old electronics and had it, you know, recycled. And they charge you for it. It's not real expensive. But this would be a way for you to uh, help somebody out. You know, it's even greener than recycling. And you would actually
2: save money in the process. And get a tax deduction as well, because we're a non-profit. Right. So, I mean, I think what we do is very green in a number of levels. I mean, first off, the microwaves and mesh networks that we're developing uh, is about 10% the energy use of any other form of internet. Mm. Um, And, of course, the idea of taking electronics and repurposing them, uh, about 70% of what we get is junk. But we can recycle it and actually get something back for either parts or computers. But nothing that comes to us ever ends up in a landfill and always is parted out and recycled. None of it goes overseas either, which is a good thing.
0: Oh, yeah. I've, uh, I've heard that uh, your next uh, event uh, for collecting PCs is next Saturday, November 23rd. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. we'll
2: be out at uh, Harmony Vineyard. Church in okay. Blue Springs—that's our last of our drive. But people can come to our location at 31st and Truest and drop any, anything off anytime there as well. Oh, okay. And uh, is
1: that also where you do your classes?
2: Yes, we're actually—you know—in the um, St. Mary's Church of Egypt building there at 31st and Truth for reconciliation services across from Operation Break- Breakthrough. So we have a refurbishing shop in the basement. We have our offices on the second floor. And then, right now, we do two digital life skill sessions every week from 10 to noon on Thursdays and Fridays.
1: Okay, and uh, for people who would want to turn in a computer or stop by the office, is the office open? Like, do you have, like, regular office hours for people to come in and talk to? Yes,
2: 9 to 5 is when we're there. Um, We're always open to volunteers and any other contributions people would like to share with us. I mean, we're very much a community-based organization. I mean, have been a volunteer organization up until just March, when we actually got our first two employees. Okay, and are, are you still taking uh, volunteers? Yes, indeed, we are. We're, anybody that'd like to learn how to refurbish a computer is free to come and join us, and we also have people who you know, do the courses, and it's always great to have kind of mentors who can help folks with some of the things we're showing them.
1: Okay, and uh, like for people who want to volunteer, uh, what's your website? Well, how some ways that they can uh, find out more about you and, and get more access?
2: Yeah, it says connectingforgood.org is our website, and uh, that's spelling out for connecting, F-O-R, good.org, and also Twitter, our account is at ConnectingKC.
3: All right, for somebody who's not a tech nerd and knows very little about computers, can you sort of just give us the basics of um, the infrastructure that's involved? Um, Prior to the show, you were telling us, you were showing us um, these dishes that are on buildings um, around Kansas City. So how how do you guys, you know, broadcast out a signal where people can pick it up and actually connect to the Internet? Hey, that's a great question. As I said
2: before, um, you know, Connecting for Good actually became a wireless ISP, not on purpose, but out of necessity, because we found that was the most cost-effective way to bring bandwidth to low-income people. And so in order to do that, we created a network of dishes around the city on rooftops. And now we are inviting people from the community to join us. So we have other nonprofits who have come together and created something called the Casey Freedom Network, uh, we have included people like Reconciliation Services, Westside Housing, um, the Mutual Musicians Foundation, Black Economic Union, and so there's a couple of other nonprofits and schools that we're talking to who are going to be part of it. Um, so it's a growing thing, and we're pretty excited um, because it's a way to that, you know, it, I sometimes I tell people... I used to live in rural Platte County, and uh, we were all on septic systems. And a neighbor had this great idea, which was, you know, let's form a co-op and borrow some money so that we could put our homes connected to the main Casey, Missouri uh, sewer system. So one guy volunteered to be the treasurer and send out the bills to the neighborhood, and we all took turns cleaning out the pump once a month. And so, you know, that's our an analogy for how we handle our sewer. But I think a lot of people don't realize that we can do the same thing with our internet. There's this kind of, I guess, people assume that you've got to go to AT&T or Time Warner or somebody else to um, to get internet. But what we did with the help of the Free Network Foundation is create our own, um, you know, cabinet in Oak Tower, which is a major bandwidth hotel and are buying it wholesale. And so um, basically we're not trying to become you know, the next Time Warner, but what we are doing is inviting community groups to say y- you purchase some equipment, you purchase some dishes and some towers and we'll work with you to connect to our network.
0: So uh, uh, what kind of community um, nonprofits uh, do you would you want to uh, join the KC network, or are you looking for more? Or
2: yes, we're we're open to I folks guess. who want to get in board with us. Um, we're not, um, you know, we're not being exclusive about it.
0: Okay, so there's no criteria, I guess. Anyone who wants to have more public internet available to bridge a digital divide would be welcome.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know, we're we're still kind of growing, and um, at this point, you know, we're the bandwidth, we haven't set a cost for it yet, but we're certainly hoping to provide somewhere between 20 and $50 a year per user. That's great. Huh.
1: I'm just going to jump in a second. Yes. Uh, for our listeners who are just joining us, uh, this is uh, Mike Check Radio, and we are talking with the co-founder and president of Connecting for Good, Michael Limata. So... Uh, go ahead and ask uh, any other questions you got. Okay, actually, I wanted to ask. Uh,
0: um, so
2: maybe just to finish oh, my ahead. thoughts. Sure. So we're creating what I would call a bandwidth co-op in Kansas City, and we've that same model has been used, you know, for bulk buying of food and other things. And so we're saying, why not do it bandwidth the same way? Yeah, that's a
0: a wonderful concept and uh if you wanted to get involved in in helping with uh, refurbishing the the these or even working on the the deploying the network, uh, what
2: would be the best way to go about that? Just get to go to connectingfootgood.org. go to contact us and tell us you're interested. Great.
1: All right. Uh one of the things that I saw in the paper uh earlier this year was the um it was called the Kansas City a digital Inclusion Fund, and I think it's the first fund or grant that's opened up in Kansas City uh, ever for this sort of thing. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on this, uh, or, or do you have high hopes for this bringing in uh, more organizations or helping you uh,
2: achieve some of your goals? I think it's a great idea. I mean, we just received a grant for $35,000 from the Digital Inclusion Fund. Great. and so. We'll, um, we're going to really look at using it to provide more computer hardware. That's our focus. Um, what we're finding is about 70% of uh, what's donated to us is not usable. So we're going to use some of that money to go out into the brokerage right. arena and get buy things in bulk, you know, 100 or 200 laptops at a time where we think we'll be able to get a good price.
1: All right. And... Um uh, before we were talking in the in the green room, you were talking about you have a, I guess it was a, a like a mobile learning center. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes, well, you know, we were the beneficiaries of a donation of twenty Chromebooks from Google Fiber, and uh, so it's our mobile computing lab. We've actually been taking it around the the city. So any place where you know there's uh, bandwidth available, in some cases, we actually brought our own we could set up a learning laboratory where we can teach our digital life skills classes.
1: Okay, and um, oh, you were talking about your digital lifestyle skills or life skills classes? Yeah. Um, uh, do you have more going on in November and December? Are those all at your office or is there different places that you're gonna be hitting with your with your mobile unit?
2: Yeah, well, right now we are scaling back. We've had a tremendous push here in October and November where we've had a training session almost every weekday for the entire month of October and November. So we're going to go back to focusing on our two classes, give our staff a rest, and then also working really hard to open a digital inclusion center at 3rd and Quindaro. We have been working with the Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas Housing Authority, to create a center, a training center there, which we will open in December. Okay. It's a, we've already set up a bank of 15 computers and are beginning a curriculum and lining up the people to help us. You know, Juniper Gardens has over 300 families, but we're also looking at that whole area of Third and Quindaro. Uh, one of the things we've talked about is working with Casey Healthy Kids to do a virtual grocery store there. Since it's a food desert, and so many people don't have vehicles. We're looking at working a thing out where people can come in from the housing project and the community to order their groceries and have them delivered to that spot.
3: Well, I think it's a great thing you guys are doing. And I totally agree that it's a social justice issue and, um, you know, uh, broadening access to technology um have you gotten any support from any of the local governments um what's your relationship with that with with them either of them
2: i guess there's different ways you can couch support a pat on the head and says that's (laughs) a nice thing you're doing i guess we've got a lot of that um but financially not
1: does the city government feel that this is not a pressing issue that it's more of somebody's opinion or This lifestyle choice, not to have internet connection, that's not high on their
2: radar, I guess. It's hard for me to make a definitive judgment Mm -hmm. on that. Right. I mean, I think everybody says, you know, the digital divide's a terrible thing. Everybody thinks somebody should do something about it. Um, We, I guess, we didn't wait for anybody else to do. We decided to (laughs) do it ourselves, and. I mean, we're following a pretty much a classic entrepreneurial model of bootstrapping. We're, you know, we started off the whole project that Crosdale was a volunteer effort. The way we did it actually was, um, you know, cost us about $1,000 to bring the internet to 168 families there, all through volunteer work. And, um, you know, we got a really nice grant uh, to do the, build at juniper gardens from one economy basically they had a some uh grant from the federal btop funds and they uh Rick dean our co-founder had a relationship with them so uh they they said hey can you help us to f- meet the guidelines of our grant by you know installing some of our radios out there so we were happy to do that
1: oh, cool and uh, well you've done juniper gardens and you've done Rosedale Ridge and that was at least six months ago? It was it a little longer than
2: that? Well, well we're still actually working at Juniper Gardens. We did the major build that was ended in um April. Uh can you see a change already like in the
1: uh you know, with the with the housing or with the people that are living in the housing as the can you already see like the effects of them having access? Is there any changes in their uh, lifestyle or what they're doing?
2: Well, what we're finding out about people that are in Section 8 in public housing, it's a very mobile group. People don't stay there long. People don't, um, like for instance, a year ago, in, in when we did the install at Rosedale Ridge, two-thirds of the people, or three-quarters of the people that were there a year ago are no longer there. So, in some ways, we're starting over again with them. And the same uh, with the people at Juniper. And we're, you know, we've waited to get this facility built out there um, to really do a big push at Juniper. They've, they've had it, we've got the network fine tuned. But as far as our engagement with the residents, it's taken us a while to actually get the kind of facility and training set up that we want. Okay. Uh, do you see, like, has. Has it been something that people have
1: gone to, like you said, like with some groups move out is the is there less vacancies? are there more people is it becoming kind of a selling point, and people are trying to get into those uh projects uh you know to take advantage of this new amenity?
2: yeah, you're absolutely right. I think at Rosedale Ridge, for instance, they struggled for years to get it above seventy percent occupancy, and since the wireless came in, they have a waiting list, okay. I mean, if you're in a Section Eight housing, there's not very many amenities that are available to yeah. you. So the idea of being able to get on the internet for free is a great one.
1: All right. Well,
2: uh, we're running a little short on
1: time here. So uh, for kind of the the end of the show, do you have any uh, final thoughts, and you know, also uh, let them know how to get in touch with you. And
2: well, I I think you know we we have an issue here that needs to be fixed. And I think a lot of times we have this notion that somehow government or, or corporate America is going to come in and rescue us. I was talking to somebody recently that said, you know, if we could get a $40 million grant, every, you know, every urban, home in the urban core could be, you know, lit up. And, but I, I think the issue being is that, you know, why not make connectivity a matter of self determination? You know, why make it one of those things where we depend on anybody? Um, let's let's do it ourselves. And uh, we're finding out that, you know, the digital divide in some ways is just the same old divide, right? The same old people who've been deprived of resources that have been you know, shut out of access to, to economic benefit and technology. It's It's been the same old divide. And um, so while that's been there, I think... We're beginning to see and we're promoting what I would call an urban geek culture in the inner city of Kansas City, where people uh, get a vision for technology and its transformational power, and really providing tools that create, again, more of a sense of empowerment. I think too often times when you think of nonprofits and you think of doing something as a nonprofit, sometimes you think of you know doing it as a handout a freebie and that's why you know we're not giving stuff away we we want to at least get people's buy in by saying you know I will do two classes and some people are paying for their $50 computers $5 a month this but we want to make sure that there's that buy in and that ownership so instead of just lighting up you know a neighborhood let's say let's get you all involved and in teenagers to seniors and Let's make a network here right on your block, and you can all be a part of it.
1: All right. Sounds good. And if you want to find out more about Connecting for Good online, the website is connectingforgood.org. Right. And their office is down at 3101 Troost. Yes, great. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Yeah, Thank uh, you. Nine to five, Monday through Friday. Right. Sounds good. And thank you for coming on. This has been Mike Check Radio, and uh, stay tuned. Coming up next is Counterspin.
0: We're gonna be here till it's over till, till something happens. We're gonna be here till it changes through cold rain, rocks, gravity. It doesn't matter. We're gonna be here till some till something happens.